Chapter Twenty Two of My Path to Atheism by Annie Besant. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two Forms of Prayer to be Used at Sea. There is now a special service used at the launching of Her Imperial Majesty's war vessels which has not yet found its way into the prayer book. Curious thoughts arise in the mind in contemplating that fashion, conjoined to the office to be used in Her Majesty's navy every day. How does God protect the persons of us, thy servants, and the fleet in which we serve? Does prayer make bad ships more seaworthy, or supply the place of stout iron and sound wood? If the ship is not safe without prayer, will prayer make it so? If not, what is the use of praying over it? Either the ship is seaworthy, or it is not. If it is, it will sail safely without prayer. If it is not, will prayer carry the rotten ship through the storm? If prayer be so efficacious, would it not be cheaper to use less wood and more prayer? Bad materials, roughly put together, would serve, for a curate would be cheaper than a shipwright, and much prayer would enable us to dispense with much labour. In storms at sea, a special prayer is to be used. O most powerful and glorious Lord God, at whose command the winds blow, and lift up the waves of the sea, and who stillest the rage thereof. O send thy word of command to rebuke the raging winds and the roaring sea. Is not this the prayer of utter ignorance, the prayer of an unscientific age? For what does the prayer imply? Only the modest request that the state of the atmosphere round the whole globe may be modified to suit the convenience of a small ship and not only that, but also that the whole course of weather may be changed during countless yesterdays, the weather of to-day being only an effect caused by them. Such prayers were offered up in former days by a people who knew nothing of the inviolability of natural order, and who imagined that the weather might be changed at their bidding, as the clerk may push on the hands of the church clock. The sailors are very frank in their confession. When we have been safe and seen all things quiet about us, we have forgot thee, our God. But now we see how terrible thou art in all thy works of wonder, the great God to be feared above all. At any rate they cannot be accused of hypocrisy in their dealings with God. Nor is this all. Short prayers are provided for those who have no time for the long ones, and if the danger grows very pressing, everybody who can be spared is to join in a special confession of sins taken from the communion office. It would surely be well to avoid a very pious crew, as they may be wasting the time in prayer which might save the ship by work. One serious thought presents itself for consideration in connection with this supposed power of God to smooth the turbulent billows. Many ships go down year after year, many thousands of lives sink in the pitiless ocean, many a bitter wail goes up from the drowning crews. How wickedly cruel to have such power, and to see the ship sink in the storm! How icily stony to have such power, and to watch, unmoved, the agony of the perishing! The prayers against the enemy are beautiful effusions, some of the children praying the All-Father to enable them to slay his other children. Stir up thy strength, O Lord, and come and help us! What a curious request! Does the All-Strong require to stir up his strength before he can crush a few men? Judge between us and our enemies! But suppose the enemy is in the right, what then? Suppose English sailors are on the wrong side, as in the dispute between George III and the American colonies. Such a prayer then becomes a prayer for defeat, not an encouraging thought with which to go into battle. 
The prayers are also offensive in their cowardice of tone. Let not our sins now cry against us for vengeance, but hear us, thy poor servants, begging mercy and imploring thy help. The praises after victory are as objectionable as the prayers before. The Lord hath covered our heads and made us to stand in the day of battle. And what of the poor wounded groaning below in the cockpit, whose heads the Lord hath not covered? The Lord hath overthrown our enemies, and dashed in pieces those that rose up against us. How thoroughly savage and bloodthirsty the thanksgiving! Is God supposed to rejoice over the sufferings of the defeated? Is he to be thanked for slaying his creatures? And then the victory is to be improved to the advancement of thy gospel. The gospel of so-called peace and goodwill is to be advanced by cannonball and torpedo, by sabre and cutlass. Truly they must believe that Jesus came to send a sword through the earth. And yet this is the true spirit of Christianity, of the creed which has shed more human blood than any other faith, of the creed which won its way through Europe with the crucifix in one hand and the battle-axe in the other, of the creed that tortured innumerable victims on the rack, and which lit the funeral pyres of the martyrs, of the creed whose cross has ever been crimson-red, not with the blood of one who died to save humanity, but with the blood of a humanity sacrificed to the glory of God. End of chapter 22